Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew, and we are breaking down the weekend that was at ISM Raceway in Phoenix, Arizona, where we had three winners, and all three of them are in the in the championship race at Homestead Miami Speedway for their respective divisions. Denny Hamlin was in a winner-go-home scenario, basically in the Cup Series. He did just that one and advanced into the championship round at Homestead Miami Speedway. That was Justin Allgaier in the Xfinity Series. He went out and won. Uh, he was in a scenario where he was fourth in points, hadn't had a win all year, got the win at Phoenix. And then Stuart Friesen, who, whose only win so far came in the dirt race at Eldora this year, uh, he wins his first asphalt race in the truck series with a victory at ISM Raceway. So three drivers who really needed to have wins this weekend got them all in the championship race at Homestead Miami Speedway. We'll discuss that also. A little bit of news this week, or today, excuse me, uh, about Matt Tiff. Matt Tiff's future and Front Row Motorsports' future with Matt Tiff. We'll dive into that a little bit. It sounds like Tiff's going to take, well, it doesn't sound like Tiff's going to take a significant amount of time off next season, focus on his mental health, um, and they decided to mutually part ways there for the 36 car for Matt Tiff and Front Row Motorsports. Um, so that leaves that right, wide open. We'll discuss what the possibilities are there. Uh, and anything else you want to talk about on the NASCAR side of things, 917-889-8280 if you want to talk about anything here. Uh, we'll talk about Phoenix. We're also going to dive a little bit into uh, the package this weekend and uh, from this past weekend. And, listen, this is going to be a championship race next year. I think NASCAR realized they have a major, major issue. We'll discuss that as well. Again, 917-889-8280, that's the number to call here tonight on Talking in Circles. Uh, it was Denny Hamlin's night day. He needed to go out there, Philip, and pull off a victory. He did just that with, uh, you know, pretty convincing fashion. He got to the lead uh, in stage one, finished second in stage two. His big competitor early in the race was Joey Logano. Then all of a sudden they made an adjustment in that 22 car where it just seemed like uh, they overadjusted. Logano was never able to get his – and he lost significant uh, track time was getting passed like crazy, was never really able to get that track position back, and that was the key on Sunday. And Joe Logano ended up finishing ninth after leading 93 laps and was never really a factor at the end of that race. Meanwhile, Hamlin stayed up front. They took a two-tire uh, pit stop, him and Chris Gabehart, and Hamlin goes out when he needs to pull off a victory. He does it. And listen, Danny Hamlin's had a tremendous season. Uh, this season, and it would have been a huge disappointment if that 11 team didn't advance into Homestead. Well, they they do with the win on Sunday at Phoenix, uh, and they advance into Homestead. What were your thoughts on Hamlin and that 11 cars run there on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I mean, you brought it up, what basically happened. I mean, that really the all drama ended in – once they put that one set of Badger tires on for Joey Logano, I mean, literally three guys dominated the race. Kyle Busch at the start, he started from pole, and then just basically kind of held after that. Uh, Logano passes him, and then he had the car in that middle portion of the race, and one set of Badger tires at the end of, after 35 races, uh, you know, six points, seven points, however many points it was in the end, you know, you think about it for a whole entire year, one set of bad year tires and what amounts to point two, point one of a, a position of a point per, per race. 
is the reason why Jory Logano won't be able to defend his uh, Cup Series championship on Sunday. Uh, Hamlin, he's brought it up in terms of picks. Uh, basically, I thought the I called it the nightmare scenario, which was you know Hamlin wins and Kyle Busch holds, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, of course, if you're a Joe Gibbs fan, granted, you know if you're a Joe Gibbs fan, you love Danny Hamlin and you love Kyle Busch, then God bless you. You got what you wanted. Uh, for most people, uh, that's not the case. Uh, so, but for Danny Hamlin, if he had not won and not advanced into the final four after the year he's had, I would venture to say it would have been worse than his 2010 meltdown when he had the championship won, uh, had issues at Phoenix, his mind wasn't right, and then they completely spit the bit at Homestead and Jimmy Johnson finished second and won at that point was his fifth straight championship. And in that particular format. Uh, now that he's there, the way the season has been, the way that the rules have been basically um, reported to add, to be advantageous to uh, Toyota and Joe Gibbs, they have three of the top four cars uh, here in the playoff. Uh, in the final four, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But for Hamlin, he had to win the race, and he did. And that's not exactly what he's been known for. He has won big races in his career, obviously, but he hasn't performed in big spots. And this was a big spot. And uh, more credit to him, Gabe Hart. Gabe Hart really did a great job. Uh, and he's an unsung guy here. If, if, if Benny Hamlin comes through on Sunday, a lot of credit has to go to Gabe Hart because of his mentality, of his ability to control his driver and keep him in the right state of mind. The late caution with John Hunter Nemechek hitting the fence uh, in previous times might have set Denny Hamlin off, but Gabe Hart kept him in control. They put him on two tires. Um, there was some convenient um, stuff that went on late in the race with Joe Gibbs drivers where Eric Jones basically pulled over, which allowed him to get the lucky dog in front of Joey Logano. And then the, the Kyle Busch took four tires and then did a Hail Mary on the restart, which basically took away any chance for Blaney who needed a Hail Mary to get in. He wasn't going to pass Benny Hamlin because you couldn't pass if your life depended on it. Not that night. So, but so, Credit to Hamlin, credit to Gibbs. Uh, they got what they wanted. The Rev went and did all his Hail Marys and drank, drank his milk and took his vitamins, and he's got three of the four guys in the playoff in the final four. Well, I'll, I'll say this. You know, what you got to remember about Joe Gibbs Racing is last year they only had one car in the playoffs – or in a, in a championship race, excuse me, going into Homestead Miami Speedway. And if you remember, that 19 team with Martin Shrek Jr. – now I know there's a new crew chief, new car chiefs, uh, Clayton Hughes obviously joined, came over from the 78. Uh, Cole Pern came over, and of course Martin Truex Jr. came over from Furniture Racing. But that 19 team finished 21st in the standings a year ago, uh, and Jones didn't have a great year last year either. He didn't get in, um, and Denny Hamlin he went winless. If people forget, you know it was his first year in his career that he didn't pull in the victory lane. So they shuffled some things up. Sure, that it was a little shady how they they acquired Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern over there on that 19 team. Um, 
with, with raising the prices really on that 78 car. But give them credit for bringing them in and saying, you know what, we're not letting them get out of our, our house. There was a lot of talk that Truex might go to Stuart Haas. I never believed any of that because I felt like Toyota was going to do everything they possibly could. They knew what they had in Truex. They knew what they had in Cole Pern. And I never thought for a minute they were going to leave uh, Toyota, and they didn't. They stayed in-house. Uh, also give them credit for, as you said, Chris Gabehart, who deserves a ton of credit here. Hamlin is a guy who loved Mike Wheeler. And I'm not saying Mike Wheeler is a bad crew chief, but obviously it wasn't working with Denny Hamlin and Mike Wheeler anymore. And he kept singing Mike Wheeler's pregnancy, saying, oh, I don't want him to go, et cetera, et cetera. And with somebody with the resume of Denny Hamlin at really any other organization, I feel like they would say, hey, you know what? Our driver wants to, wants to keep the guy. We're going to keep him around. Joe Gibbs Racing said, no, Denny, it's not working. We, we know you're a better race car driver than this. We expect to run better than this. And we have a guy here, Chris Gabehart, who uh, is a different mentality, brings a whole new different feel to that 11 team. Let's try him and see if he works with you. And bam, here's Denny Hamlin, looking like Denny Hamlin of 2011 and 2010, who we haven't seen in a long time. So give Jimmy Maycar and the, and the leaders over there at Joe Gibbs Racing some credit for that because, again, I don't know if a whole lot of organizations would have made that move. I mean, right now there's a lot of talk about what kind of crew chiefs might be changing. I mean, it, it, you know, Jeremy Boland, for example, there's a lot of Ryan Blaney fans who aren't very happy with Jeremy Boland, but I think Blaney really likes him. And I think, you know, everybody over there at Team Penske really likes their crew chiefs. Uh, and that's why we haven't really seen a whole lot of changes there, but maybe it's time to shuffle it up a little bit because look what happened at Joe Gibbs Racing. Sure, it was, Hamlin wasn't running horrible, but it's taken him to the next level to where Denny Hamlin has proven now he could be a championship contender. And really, to me, Philip, any one of these three Joe Gibbs Racing cars can win the championship on Sunday. I think the guy who might be the long shot of them all, even after Harvick, believe it or not, is Kyle Busch because Kyle yeah. hasn't been in the trail in a long time. Uh, and I love what that 19 team did. They had sort of a, a half a team there over there at Phoenix. The rest of the team was back home building that car for Homestead Miami Speedway. They knew they didn't really, they didn't really have to run hard at Homestead or at Phoenix and get ready for Homestead. They did that. And Hamlet's proven this year he can win at any time, anywhere. That's what makes him dangerous. Kyle hasn't yet. Um, and it, it, it's about time he gets going. To me, he's the long shot. But does Kevin Harvick in your mind, and, and try and put the, the Stuart Haas bias away as much as you can, him and Rodney Childers are, are uh, top three combination in this garage area. There's no question about it. Um, but do yeah. they stand a chance against these Joga's racing t- this Joga's racing trio to try and win a championship on Sunday? What are your thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, I would, but we talked about it last week. I, I think, and based on points, or depending on which format you like, for the old schoolers who love the full season format, going into Phoenix last week, now we can get into semantics. Oh, they run different. They've done things a little bit different and whatever. Kevin Arvick was leading the points by one over Joey Logano. Uh, and, of course, I mean, I haven't seen what the full season points would be after last week, but it wouldn't be a whole lot different. And and Kevin Harvick has been very consistent this year. Yeah, he wasn't winning at the first half of the year. Yeah, this rules package does not fit Stuart Haas and what they need from their cars, and it has proved, been proven with the rest of their drivers. Uh, but Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers, as per usual, since they've gotten together, have figured out a way. And not only have they figured out a way, they have quietly went about this. And all hands are on deck. It's the final four championship weekend. 
because they've taken Homestead out as the final race, um, some random vodka company is going to be the sponsor of next year's race where 12 people are going to be at it. But, you know, I think for Edsel Ford, for all those people, I would assume they want Kevin Harvick to win. Um, and it would be very hard for me to say that that's out of the realm, but I figure he could. He did it in 2014. He won the last two races of the year. He had to, he had to get a Hail Mary win, like what like Hamlin did last week at Phoenix. And then he went the following week, and he beat Ryan Newman for a championship. And I think this team is better than it was back in 2014. Kevin Harvick's a better driver than he was in 2014. Rodney Childers is a better crew chief. So when you consider there's a lot of moving pieces with Gibbs, and I do agree that, I mean, Kyle Busch looked like like he had lost somebody, you know, like he was so mad about finishing second. I know he always is mad and gets all buttered about finishing second. And when he's not driving other cars and destroying uh, people, he, he kind of gets in the mood. But the fact of the matter is the way he looked on Sunday after that race, basically was like the way that Denny Hamlin looked in 2010. And at that moment, I said, that's the end of Kyle Busch. There's no way he's going to win. I mean, who knows? He could, whatever. He's won 55 races and stuff. Okay, well, why wouldn't he just go out there? That's a great story that Steve O'Donnell would want. But to me, it's between the 19, 4, and 11 to get this thing done. And Kevin Harvick, with all the weight and effort of Stuart Haas behind him, I think has a very good shot. I figure they'll probably mess around with some pit crews and kind of, you know, do a hybrid. I mean, even if they don't have a hybrid pit crew, I think there would be opportunities and options to kind of put all the best people on that car to make sure um, the four can bring the hardware home. Uh, but, I mean, it's going to be very difficult for the four to beat the 19. And really, at the end of the day, the way all these three series have landed up, it's a three-horse race, honestly. And in this case, that's what it is in this uh, deal. It's two Gibbs guys. I mean, the interloper, which is, you know, Martin Truex and Cole Pern and their group. And then, you know, Hamlin and Kevin Harvick in this case. But that, it's going to be an interesting race for sure between those three yeah it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch uh homestead and and you know i know a lot of people don't like joe gibbs racing i understand that completely but they do deserve some credit now i know the rules are a little bit wacky this year and we'll talk about phoenix in a little bit and the everything that went on there with that race um but they do deserve some credit everybody else is running against in the same rules and they've been better than everybody else. Let's just be honest. Uh, the Toyotas have been – I've been very disappointed with Eric Jones' playoffs, though. Seventh place run at Phoenix, not a terrible not a, not a terrible day, but he hasn't been anywhere near where his teammates are. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's something to mention here, too. But, you know, going back to Sunday, I thought Ryan Blaney ran a really good race, um, and Kyle Larson ran a really good race, too. Larson got up there, and Larson didn't have – you know, this was a long receiver win into the playoffs. I feel like Chevrolet really had their backs against the wall. Um, all year long, he was able to get a win this year, and really kind of um, show people that he's not, you know, he's not, for lack of a better term, he's not completely dead. That 42 team is not completely dead. 
they're there and they're ready to strike when they get that car more competitive because I really think the part of the Chevrolet is that they need to get their cars more competitive before they do anything and, and go out there and win. Um, but, you know, another tough day fill up for Chase Elliott, who uh, another accident here, blew a tire, hit the outside wall, and just about as bad as you could get for the final three races of, of the round of eight, uh, the final three races in the round of eight for Chase Elliott is what happened. He was in a winner-go-home situation, 36th at Martinsville after a track bar broke, wrecked at Texas, Texas on lap nine, finished 32nd, and then the debacle at Phoenix, 39th. So three races after Chase gave a, a pretty good run. I remember talking about Kansas and saying that's the guy I think everybody looks at as Chevrolet and say he's the guy that their best chance to win to go to the championship and win the championship. But they completely laid an egg. It started up at Martinsville with the blown engine on that Friday, if you remember correctly. They were never able cool. to stop the bleeding on that 19 in uh, a, a really disappointing round of eight for Chase Elliott. He's out. Other drivers that are out, Joey Logano, we discussed a little bit about his run at Phoenix. Uh, it could have been a bad set of tires. I think you're absolutely right on that. Uh, for whatever reason, they they still seem miffed about what happened to that 22 car and why it all of a sudden just got so ill-handling and Joey Logano couldn't drive the car anymore to where he actually lost the lap. He was able to get it back eventually and finish ninth, but uh, was never really able to go up there and compete for a win, which he kind of needed to do after leading for early for 93 laps. Uh, Larson also missed out, and, and Ryan Blaney uh, as well. But um, what were your thoughts on uh, on the on the the round of the guy, other guys who missed here in the round of eight? Um, just just not a great. I, I think if you're a a Ryan Blaney or a Kyle Larson fan, you look at this round of eight, you say, hey, you know what? It's a step in the right direction as far as the championships concerned next season. Uh, if you're Chase Elliott, you're very very disappointed, and you hope you can rebound. I mean, this is, could be something, you know, for example, what happened with Denny Hamlin a bunch of years ago where he had a championship in his hands at Phoenix and ran out of gas and was never really ever, never really ever the same driver until this year. Um, you know, can Chase rebound? And what are your thoughts on the whole drivers who were eliminated here in the round of, of eight uh, at Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, for Chase, it's just a, 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 we've been talking about it for a few weeks, the uh, unforced errors and the, just the sheer, like the randomness of how it's kind of gone sideways for him. And I mean, to be completely frank, he wrecked at the Roval and almost gave it away there too. So the point is this whole like farcical in the legendary words of Al Michaels playoff is kind of, it's kind of gone this way for Chase. I don't think that this is going to define him. I mean, the reality is the guy finished fifth in points. You know, in his career, he has a chance to finish fifth in points on Sunday. Uh, he's basically, these last three years, kind of been in that mode. Um, yeah, this year, I think he might have had a little more juice. But frankly, I think he was better off the prior two years than he was this year. Um, it, it, for Chevrolet, they really need to improve the car. Because it's when when you consider... And this goes. I'm not even thinking about the two young guns in in Young Money and, and Chase and Clyde. I'm talking like Kurt Busch. You know, they completely it went sideways for Kurt Busch and didn't come back. He's a guy. He's a he's a formative guy there with the Chevrolet camp, and now he's extended his deal there with uh, Ganassi. 
probably going to be doing a lot more than just driving a, a cup car. You have Johnson, who hasn't won in three, two years, whatever, and he's one of the great. Uh, there's other, and you know, there's pieces, and there are players that are coming along that have gone back to Xfinity or, you know, that are around that are going to be getting into bigger cars. You know, you have Tyler Reddick coming up next year. Um, Chevy has to perform better. You're leaving a lot of talent out there hanging out to dry. And, I mean, for, for Chase Elliott, I don't think it's going to define that he had a brutal round. People had brutal rounds. People had one brutal race and ended themselves. The, he, the, the reality is they ended themselves on Friday at Martinsville. We're going to get completely, be completely frank. They ended themselves at, at Martinsville on Friday with a blown engine. Uh, he were, tried to recover, didn't work, and then it just went away from there. But Chase is starting to show, you know, signs of he's making steps and making progress. And fundamentally, I don't believe that him and Alan Gustafson, I think if he had Greg Ives, he might be better. But, you know, they're never going to change that. So it is what it is. I think Kyle Larson, the way he performed this playoff, going and getting that win, ending that long losing streak, was a career-defining win there. Um, It refocused him. It's putting him in a place where 2020, they're going to want him to perform. And now that Kurt is back, he's going to have to answer. Because the fact is, Kurt Busch, until that first round of the playoff, theoretically was the better driver over the entire year. Yeah, in the second part of the regular season, Kyle Larson had picked it up. But then even Kurt Busch won at Kentucky. So um, for those two guys, I, I, we'll see. I definitely think progress is going to be made for both of them. And they need to if Chevrolet wants to win the championship. I never thought I'd be in a place where Chevrolet was definitely the number three manufacturer in the top, but they've become that. Uh, Ryan Blaney, uh, this last round, the way he performed, he basically took the Brad Keselowski role and performed at that high level. And it sounds like Brad, it sounds like Ryan Blaney is in the right mindset, where he he knows what he needs to do. He knows he can perform. I don't know if the crew chief and that whole deal is right, or there's things that he could change. You mentioned that earlier. I mean, we talked about it in when it came to Brad and how it imploded with him and Paul Wolf there uh, at Kansas. But Blaney showed something there, too. And when you think about the future of this sport, and you're talking about three guys that are three of the young guns of this sport, three of the more marketable figures, it's a good thing. There's a lot of things wrong with this sport. But one thing that's good is that there's these three guys that got to this point in the playoff, and they all had their moments in there to where you knew they they showed up and they performed. So I think that's fundamentally a a very positive sign uh, for, for the people that, I mean, if you're fans of them, obviously, but even in general, I think for the health, of a sport that really needs the help in general, uh, those three guys and their performances overall are good. Um, yeah, they wanted to make the they wanted to make the final four, but it's very difficult to make the final four. So um, you'll, you'll the, I think the day there there'll be a day 
here sooner rather than later. We'll be talking about those three guys on the show. Um, maybe we'll be doing it for most of Miami too. But. Yeah, it's going to be uh, uh, interesting to see how Chevy and, and the drivers who underperformed in in the playoffs rebound. And I'll say this about Ryan Blaney. You know, I think the thing that really kept him, it's funny because when you look at his round of, of eight, um, and that's, I'm calling it for lack of a better term, I know they had used to name these rounds, which was dumb, but, um, you know, a fifth and eighth and a third, and he had some stage points sprinkled in there as well, did a nice job. And you say, well, what kind of keeps him from going to Homestead? Well, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of playoff points. He didn't win. You know, that's the only thing he didn't do. So um, other than that, he had a really good playoffs. I think he took a step in the right direction uh, for sure. And, um, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what he does next year, Larson does next year. And Larson can be obviously a spoiler at Homestead. We've seen him run really good there in the past. Uh, so we'll see if he can go up there and, uh, and compete for a, a victory um, this weekend. But let's talk about the, the racing at Phoenix, Phillip. Um, you know, obviously this race, and it's been well documented this week, that this race is going to be the um, championship race next season for all three series. Uh, and, you know, I, I've used to like Phoenix a lot. I think they've kind of really haven't done it too, too many favors here with the with the uh, renovations they've done to it over the last couple of years. I think they hurt their racing there. Um, I'm not really sure what their goal was with that. But, listen, whatever the cup package was on, on Sunday, it sounds like they're going to revamp it, and thank God, because they need to, because it was just a final leader snooze fest at times. And, uh, you know, you really – to me, these big spoilers on these super on these short tracks are completely unnecessary, and does nothing but you know make your car not handle very good behind the car and not be able to pass them. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the on the whole package at Phoenix uh, on Sunday, and and do you think NASCAR needs to make a change for next season? Yeah, they, they they I mean, not only do they need to make a change, they need to get they need to listen to the drivers for once. They need to listen to real fans. Uh, not the LCD people that they seem to listen to from the from the fan council. Uh, they need to identify what makes good racing and not what makes artificial racing, which is what restricted plate racing is. Um, ironically, with this nonsensical uh, rules package, the racing at Daytona and Talladega, minus the fact that you're going to wreck half the field, you can make an argument has been better uh, than it had been in previous years. I mean, granted, it's a joke, and it's really a lottery. And it's a shame that, you know, two of, if you want to go into history, three of the bigger races in NASCAR uh, are basically taken or considered in a lottery, and one of one of them is the biggest race of the year, and one of them is going to be the cutoff next year. But when you consider at Martinsville, I think there was like three passes for the lead in the spring, and Brad led 446 laps. And then and then uh, Truex led 460-plus laps a few weeks ago, and there was like three passes for the lead. It, there, There's a fundamental problem. We sat together at Pocono back in June. And that race was, was an abomination. I mean, Pocono, for pe- people hate Pocono for whatever reason, 
and they because they don't go there. It's a great fan experience, and you get to, and the racing actually when you're in there and you're, it's actually interesting. You have to really be engaged at Pocono, but the racing was horrible. It was bad, and I know you were listening to it. You had the radio, and I'm I'm just trying to. It, it was bad, and it's because of the stupid freaking horsepower garbage. 550 horsepower with a massive spoiler. You can't get around anybody. You have the car sealed off with a freaking splitter. That's a sports car gimmick. I mean, for I mean, Phoenix. Here's the thing. I love Phoenix International Raceway with its previous form. It put on great racing. It's never exactly been the greatest thing for stock cars. It had its moments. Then NASCAR decided they needed two days. And then NASCAR and ISC decided we need to reconfigure it. And they just made some stupid, ridiculous dog leg. They, they made the dog leg into this huge paved portion with a huge divot in the middle of it. And then, oh, we need to put the start-finish line on the other side. They, they ruined the track. They, the, the racing there this whole weekend was terrible. I, and, and to think that the last Three of the last four races might be a three of the, the next year, a three of the worst racetracks in NASCAR is is in a, is ridiculous. But when it's SOD and the whole Daytona Beach Mafia, they all make money. They don't care because they don't respect real racing. The racing on Sunday was a joke. The only way you're going to be able to pass somebody is if you wreck them. And nobody was going to wreck anybody because you couldn't get in within five feet of somebody. They want to talk about this isn't Formula One. This is becoming Formula One. You know why? Because it's engineered out to the point where you can't run around it, which is idiotic, and 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 it's a joke. Make the, get the freaking tapered spacers off the thing. Let them run 950 horsepower. Spin the freaking tires off. The, the, a fundamental problem is they don't have any suspension travel on the front end, and they have those things sealed off. Get them off the ground. Get some suspension travel. Make them actually put some shocks and springs on there where they actually have travel. And those things slam to the ground when they hit the brake. Take that freaking spoiler and put a one-inch spoiler on the back of it. And if you want to put a little gurney flap on the top on the roof at bigger tracks, go ahead. Or put a bigger thing and put a bigger spoiler on bigger tracks. And on little tracks, just put a little one-inch spoiler on the back of that thing. Get the side skirts off the ground. You need to have those little things because of the flying. Everyone's worried about flying. It's like, here's the thing. The only places where you're going to have issues with flying is if you're going over 200 miles. So if you're not going to go over 200 miles an hour, get those freaking side skirts and all those things off the ground. Just get rid of them. You know, make make the cars more about mechanical grip, not about engineering science. Because once you get into engineering science, I know you're a you're a open wheel. You're not as big of an open wheel guy as I am. That's what we're getting at. But I would also say the IndyCar series as a spec car with two engine manufacturers and they have some of the greatest racing there is right now. So, and, but the, but there's one big difference. The tire manufacturer they have is actually good at what they do. Um, so, and, and, I mean, they, bringing it back to the point, Phoenix racing, this whole entire weekend was, was abominable. There was nothing compelling about it. And if they want to have a championship that isn't going to be a complete snooze fest, they need to do a lot of work with this car. And let me say this, you know, you brought up a good point about IndyCar, and, you know, but to me, stock car racing should be different. It shouldn't exactly be Absolutely. exactly the same as IndyCar. It shouldn't be that, and and that's my biggest fear is, like, we're going to get to where we almost merge into 
all one, just the way they look differently, but they all kind of drive the same. They all have the same engineering. So I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, but, you know, I felt like especially the cup event on Sunday really needed some work. Uh, there's no question about that. NASCAR Xfinity Series will move on to that. NASCAR Xfinity Series racing on Saturday. It was a race fill-up that looked like it was Christopher Bell's race to lose. And, and he led the first, he led uh, 92 laps, and, and it was the fir- first 48. And then he led the next 44 after uh, around the pit stops. But he spun and really cost himself the race. Was never really able to get um, the track position back. Never really able to fix the car entirely. And he basically gave it to every, a chance to everybody else who was out there. And, and uh, the driver with the second best car was Justin Allgaier. Got in the clean air, and he was gone. Um, and yeah. congratulations to that team. I mean, Junior Motorsports had one win all year long, and that was the Daytona race in February. So for Allgaier, and I said this, you know, leading into the show, he needed to get a win. I feel like just to even have a remote chance for, against the big three. Reddick, Custer, and Bell have been the dominant three cars in this series. There's no question about it. Um, and Allgaier goes out there, gets his win, and now he's got some momentum. He's feeling a little bit better about himself. So is that team as they get ready for Homestead Miami Speedway for the championship race. Uh, what were your thoughts on Saturday's race uh, at Phoenix for the Xfinity Series? Yeah, Clayton, you missed the one. The, the the thing that led to the spin was he sped on pit road. And that that set the tone for the whole entire rest of the day for Chris Bell. My take on that is simply this. It's going to happen this week because if he does it on Saturday – he ain't going to win a championship. So if you're going to go and, and, and crack yourself, go and do it at Phoenix in front of nobody and and make these mistakes. And it's unfortunate because that 20 car was the fastest car in that racetrack uh, by far. Uh, the Stuart Haas cars had their moments, both uh, the double zero and the 98, but really they weren't there. Uh, Tyler Reddick got the lead on a restart, but they weren't there. Of course, Bill Gator, uh, he's good at these smaller racetracks, and, you know, he needed the win, and they're building it all up because NBC, they have to make everything dramatic because Rick Allen has to at life. Uh, I mean, Allgaier hadn't won in a while and over a year, and they finally won, and a good deal for them. And for all Geyer, it feels a lot like uh, back in, what is it, 08 or whatever year it was, when he was running the Arca Series, and there were two guys that were in front of him the whole year with a lot of support. And old Richard, um, understand references with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., uh, the, and Scott Speed with Eddie Sharp racing, and they went and ran over each other at Salem Speedway, and the guy who went and came through in the end was Justin Allgaier and he won with his dad's team um, to his dad hopefully prayers to him and you know he's recovering from the health issues uh, Big Gator they call him or the Gator so and that's why they call Justin Allgaier a little Gator but it's a big win for them big win for Junior Motorsports they've not been that good this year uh, the news that came out today uh, shows that there's going to be a bigger focus on performance and quality in uh, 2020. And uh, I think, you know, for 
that whole entire organization to try to put all their eggs in a basket to try to get Justin Allgaier over the top to kind of, you know, run that Randy LaJoy kind of career and go and get that first championship. There's a possibility, uh, very low, but there is a possibility on Saturday, but it'll be very hard <laughs> to get past the 20 and the two and the double zero, honestly, at this point. Uh, it's been the three best cars all year, and all of them at some point in their in either this in the last few weeks, last year, or in previous years, have shown a, uh, a propensity or proclivity to be able to win uh, at Homestead. So it's going to be interesting and do well, you know, on one and a half miles. So it's going to be an interesting one for sure. But credit to Junior Motorsports of 17, uh, Burdett, to go and get through and get that win there at uh, ISM Phoenix. Yeah, it was a it was a good win for them. Again, they hadn't they hadn't won all year long. Um, you know, Junior Motorsports had, like I said, one year, one win all year, and that was Daytona back in February. So it was a uh, a long time coming for that Junior Motorsports team. You mentioned Bell speeding on pit road for sure. That was a a major killer for him. Uh, got him back in traffic. Was never really able to find his speed again. But um, let me ask you this: as we get ready for Homestead Miami Speedway, uh, you know, we talked about the big three. Obviously, Custer has some history there at Homestead. Uh, he completely dominated the race for two years there um, and, and won both of them last year. Had a chance to win the championship there at Homestead Miami Speedway. Didn't do it. He ended up uh, second to Tyler Reddick, who um, won the championship in sort of surprise fashion because he was in a junior motorsports car. Reddick was kind of nowhere near where Christopher Bell was a year ago. Uh, and he went out there and was able to pull off a victory and win the championship. Um, so, and and that brings me to Reddick, who obviously here last year ran a, the, really the race of his career and was able to go out there and win at Homestead Miami Speedway. He's got a better team this year. He's had a much better year. Uh, I think he's another favorite to get in there. And of course, Bell. I think Christopher Bell can win and run well anywhere he goes. Um, last year wasn't a very good race for, very good year for him. But, you know, maybe it's one of those years where you have to lose one before you win one. Uh, and then, of course, you have Justin Allgaier, who's been here before, run for the championship a lot of times in his career. Um, what are your thoughts on the Final Four as we get ready um, for Homestead Miami Speedway? And do you think anybody has a chance uh, – does Allgaier have a shot at the big three, one – and who do you think is going to come out on top there in the Xfinity series? I think it. I mean, yeah, I do believe that Allgaier does because of his experience, because of all hands on deck, which I think is a similar thing as Kevin Harvick. Uh, you know, I mean, Junebug wants to go and get a title. He's won multiple titles over whether it's owners or drivers and, you know, titles as a team and himself and, I think Allgaier does have a chance because he's he's a momentum guy. When he has that good momentum going, he can go and run off a good number of wins, and he can really perform. And he showed it last year, and it went away when it counted. This year, he's just quietly went about his business, goes and wins this race at Phoenix to solidify himself. And basically, you know, he only had to race against Chase Briscoe. 
and the 98 didn't have the best car. They weren't. They already walked into the racetrack. And it's a good thing they eliminated the 98 because Chase Briscoe's won there in a truck. The 98's been good there at that racetrack in previous years. Stewart Haas Racing has a great rule, great package for Homestead. So it's a good thing they eliminated the 98. Um, in terms of, and I think the 98's going to have a good, good uh, day there on Saturday. Um, but when it comes down to it, Chris Bell's won in everything that he's been in, in in his career. He's one of those those guys, you know, those once-in-a-lifetime kind of talents. And the way that, you know, JGR has performed here in this playoff on the one-and-a-half-mile racetrack and in general with Chris Bell, and knowing that him and uh, his crew chief are going to move over to the 95 next year, the run on Sunday, um, Radcliffe, I think it starts and ends with Ben. Uh, I I definitely believe the 20 is going to win. Um, I would like to be pleasantly surprised and see uh, Cole Custer or, you know, Tyler Reddick get a repeat championship before he goes to Cup as well. Be a good story. I think it wouldn't be bad. It doesn't really matter who wins. The championship is good for the sport, but uh, yeah, I think it starts and ends with the twenty uh, there on on Saturday uh, for because of the way that they've been running, you know, uh, in recent weeks. It, it it really gives you the point where as long as you make it there, even the point is they've been the best car generally across the year. But then if you get there and then you perform within the playoffs, I mean what else are you gonna do? I mean really that's what it is. Christelle he likes the he likes the big stage. And uh they didn't have a car last year to perform in the big stage. Uh they got through. They got a Hail Mary win at Homestead at Phoenix and then didn't perform at Homestead. I think he's gonna wanna get that win this year and put himself in that Greg Biffle and Bobby Labani category as guys who've won both truck and Xfinity championships. Oh, agreed. And let me say this, you know, this Xfinity series, what makes this race even more interesting is the fact that this is going to be a sort of a changing of a guard for this series because Allgaier obviously is going to be back in the seven. We know that, but, you know, Bell and Reddick, it's, bo- it's been announced both of them are going to go to the Cup Series next year. Reddick in the 8, of course, and Bell in the 95, as you alluded to earlier. And we're not really sure what Cole Custer's going to do. It, you know, I think it really depends on what Suarez, what kind of funding he – if he can find some kind of funding that can uh, satisfy them or 41 team, he'll be back. But if not, it could be Cole Custer in that 41 car next year. So, you know, these, these group of guys who have really dominated this series this year – this could be their last shot at the championship. Reddick's got one; he could get two, which would put him with, you know, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and and, and Dale Earnhardt Jr., Martin Truex Jr., and all those guys who uh, have won multiple championships in that series before going to the Cup Series. Uh, Chris Rebell could get one, you know, and and that would be huge for his career and really show, you know, like you said, he won a Truck Series championship, he's going to win an Xfinity Series championship, and then you have um, Cole Custer, who's Never really run for a championship in his career, but has an opportunity here now to 
go out there and at a track that I mean, I'm, let me tell you, when I was there at Homestead in 2017, I've never seen a driver and a team absolutely just slaughter the field. I haven't seen a team do that in a long time the way Cole Custer did in the Xfinity Series race at Homestead in 2017. He just whipped them. He was uh, he had 15 seconds on the entire field, destroyed them. So it just shows you what that team is capable of. I think they got even a better team this year now with Mike Shiplett over there on that double zero team. So Custer really knows how to get around Homestead Miami Speedway, but it's sort of the changing of the guard for this Xfinity series. And when you look at what's going to happen next year to this series, you know, you got a bunch of guys who are going to be in the series for the first time uh, with, with especially at Joe Gibbs, we got Riley Herbst and Harrison Burton over there. So you might expect those teams to take a little bit of a, of a dip because you are still working out there, their, um, ex- the experience in this series, you know, and, uh, you don't know what's going to happen to double zero. So, you know, this is a real changing of the guard for this series. Obviously, you got uh, Ross Chastain coming in. who should be a championship contender there. Allgaier is going to be there. You know, we just heard today um, that uh, Daniel Hemrick is going to run 21 races for Junior Motorsports. I hope for his sake, by the way, he can go out there and uh, fill out the rest of the schedule for the Xfinity Series and, and run for the championship. But I'm getting, I'm getting kind of off topic here. But I just think this series sort of a changing of the guard in this so when you watch this race at Homestead, just understand that this, this next generation of drivers really found them, their way up to the Cup Series, um, and a new group's coming in, and, and we're going to look back at 2019 as, as really um, the, 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 when the guys in the, cup, in the Xfinity Series who were really great made their jump to Cup the year after. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes in that series um, on Sunday. On Saturday, that is, the Xfinity Series race at Homestead Miami Speedway. Uh, there was a third race this weekend, Phillip Truck Series, Lucas Oil 150 at Phoenix, uh, excuse me, ISM Raceway in Avondale, Arizona. Stuart Friesen went to victory lane. He was able to hold off Brandon Jones and Chandler Smith, who had a really good run. And third, and it was Ben Rhodes and Brent Enfinger to uh, round out the top five at Phoenix. Uh, it was a big win for Friesen, a guy who, um, when you look at what he's done in, in his career, was never really able to get over the hump on these on these uh, asphalt racetracks, but was always comes from a dirt series background. So he won Eldora this year, and I think a lot of people were waiting for him to get to victory lane uh, at, with that Hallmark team. They have an association with GMS Racing, uh, so Stuart Friesen finds himself in victory lane. Matt Crafton's sixth place finish was good enough for him to advance. Same thing with Ross Chastain in ninth of the, and of course you had Brett Moffitt who uh, advanced with a couple of wins there earlier. So. Those are your four at Homestead. You have Crafton, Chastain, Friesen, and Moffitt there. Uh, kind of a, a crazy, wild, convoluted way to get there. I mean, I don't think anybody saw Chastain uh, to be in the Final Four when this season began, considering he was running for a Trinity Series points. Friesen, I think you kind of saw that coming. And same thing with Moffitt. Uh, but Crafton hasn't had the year he's, he's really wanted to. Uh, Thor Sport has really kind of struggled this year. They've really never really been the same since they've uh, transferred over to the Ford team. Uh, Crafton hasn't won a race in a long time. Yeah, it was a dirt race at Eldora in 2017. He hasn't won on an asphalt track since 2016. But do you think he's got a chance to go out there and pull off a victory at a homestead and win this championship? What are your thoughts on the Truck Series event uh, at Phoenix? And, and what, what about Homestead? Who do you think has got a chance at winning at Homestead? Yeah, I mean, you get there to get to that point. I mean, even going all the way back to since they started this, you know, win and and get it package, uh, win and get it uh, 
setup in 14 with Newman, you know, even he had a chance. And the fact is he probably had his best race of the season at Homestead that year. I consider, I consider this Homestead race on Friday, it could be a career-defining moment for Matt Crafton. If he goes and wins and gets his third championship, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, there's gonna he's going to have to wait a long time to get in the NASCAR Hall of Fame if the NASCAR Hall of Fame still exists by the time he's even eligible. But the fact is, I mean, Jack Sprague isn't in, and he probably should be. But if he wins his third championship after not winning in over two years, I think that that year you that's a Hall of Fame that year you just back you gotten in there. Uh, do I believe that's going to happen? No, uh, <laughs> uh, because he has to go against GMS. Unlike the other two situations where you're going against like this unstoppable force and there's something there, Door Sport has not shown they have that competitiveness, competitiveness and pace. But it's crafting and. To me, Crafting can jump in a cup car with no practice and run better than the people that usually drive in the car. He's done it twice in his career. And Kevin Harvick dropped him like a bad habit and he became a champion. I, I mean, there's there's just something about Crafting and, and Junior Joyner when nobody thinks they have a chance and they figure out a way. And they haven't won in over two years. And it's like, okay, well, ah, who gives a crap? Let's go and do whatever we have to do. And the fact is, you have guys like Ben Rhodes, who's, an, who's irrelevant and has been his whole career, but he has daddy. And they, he was fast last week. You have Johnny Slaughter, who's like a pinball machine. And then you have Grant Enfinger, who's just a solid, steady force. So now all of a sudden, you got four, you have three other trucks that can kind of run different setups. You can go different ideas. And you can figure out what's the best idea. I mean, albeit they're going to be practicing early in the morning, the race is going to be at night. But they, they they have a chance. But do I believe it's going to happen? No. I would like to. It would be great, uh, personally, for me. But I think it's going to be a battle. It's going to be about Brett Moffitt. Can you beat Brett Moffitt? He got let go from a Tory racing when he performed in the playoffs because he, they said he didn't have any money. And in the end, when you look at the sponsorship this year on the Tory racing truck, there was a handful of races with United Rentals on there. And otherwise, it was the same sponsorship they had last year with Brett Moffitt. So, I don't know. If you're going to go and tell me you get rid of a better tri- driver for five or six races and maybe a couple other paychecks, I don't think that's a really good move. And obviously, because Austin Hill's on the Final Four, that also helps. And then the fact that GMS, is willing to basically shutter their Xfinity effort to keep the trucks and, you know, K&N series going, or, I mean, what's going to be the Menard E series going uh, with that. He's going to Sam Mayer. Brett Moffitt's a talent. He's one of the best talents in the sport that hasn't been given the the appreciation or, or the opportunity he really deserves. If he goes out there on Friday night and he goes and wins a championship, he he puts himself in a in a in a discussion, you know, as a Hall of Famer, you know, a Hall of Fame eligible kind of guy. If he can go and put some things together, because two straight championships, the only uh, only 
Crafton's done it in the history of the series. You know, not Ron Hornaday, not Jack Stickers. Um, Friesen, you know, fine, great. He had a great run. He's better on the smaller tracks. I mean, yeah, the GMS stuff's good on, on the bigger tracks, but the one guy that's really done well on the bigger tracks is Moffitt. The one, the wild card is Ross Chastain. It's a home game for him. They have not performed uh, in recent weeks. Of course, Ross Chastain's not going to be running full-time for Nice next year. I think they kind of hedged with Ty Majeski. I think they're trying to figure out a way to keep that 45 competitive. And they're like, hey, can we get you to go and run up for us full-time while they're figuring out who else they're going to try to fill out the schedule. But you know, this is the last hurrah for, you know, for Ross Chastain, Phil Gould, and that whole group. And I think they want to really show up. It would be an awesome thing. Great story. Spencer would love it. I'd love it. I think you'd love it, too. It would be great to see Ross Chastain win because he'd be such a great promoter. He'd be do, he'd do such a great job to promote this sport and show where coming up from, you know, the depth of nothing to become a champion. It'd be a beautiful thing. Uh, but in the end, I think it all, it starts and ends with the 24 truck uh, with, with Brett Moss. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you were talking about Moffitt. Listen, um, a lot, it's funny because a lot of people said today, I heard it from numerous, at least three people I read on Facebook as well when it was announced again, Hemrick was going to drive 21 races at Junior Motorsports next season. Oh, well, he's aligned to take over the 48 car. And I was like, well, you know, not necessarily. I think Brett Moffitt's got an opportunity to do that. I mean, Brett Moffitt is, I mean, if he ever got a good opportunity in Xfinity, he would take off. And that's what I love about this truck series is all four drivers in this series uh, freeze to a little bit different extent because he comes from a dirt background. But if he can put it all together on asphalt, and I think next year is going to be his big year where if he can put it all together and win a bunch of races, he's, Talented, but but you talk about Crafton, how great he is in this series. Chastain, I think everybody expects him to eventually get to the Cup Series and in a big ride. And Moffitt's one of the most underrated talents, if not the most underrated talent in this entire sport. Uh, he's been he's been absolutely sensational in the Truck Series, um, and it didn't matter what truck he was in, you know. And a lot of people shook their heads and, and questions. And man, when they got rid of Johnny Sauter, GMS Racing got rid of John, myself included. When they got rid of Johnny Sauter. And brought in Brett Moffitt, and I said, well, Moffitt's a good driver, but Sauter kind of got, you know, shafted there. And I always wondered what the deal was. Maybe they just wanted to win a championship, and maybe they felt that Brett Moffitt, with how good he ran last year, gave him a better opportunity to do that. Or, or maybe they looked at it and said, well, that's an opportunity for another Chevrolet guy who we feel like has got some potential to stay in the Chevrolet camp. But either way, you know, that's what makes this series so great in this truck series is all four guys in this series – are, are talented in their own different ways. Um, and I think all four of them, you know, again, I freeze to a little bit different extent because he comes from a completely different background than the other three, um, can eventually get to the Cup Series and have very good careers. I mean, Matt's a little older now to do that, but I think we all agree if he got into a decent Cup car, he would do a really, really good job. And that's what makes this Friday night race at, at Homestead even more interesting, even more uh makes me want to watch it even more is just that it's just th- four talented guys bringing their best cars and they're be- they're giving it their best shot to go out there and win and what a story it would be for Chastain you're right 
a Nice Motorsports team that didn't even come close to sniffing a win last year. With um, just people forget they had uh, Austin Wayne self in that car and in, that, in those trucks last year, and a Justin Fontaine in those trucks last year. Um, and this year they've really taken a step in the right direction with Chastain. Um, so it it would be a big story for Al Nice. Um, it would be a big story there to watch at Northport. It's also we know they're historic winning this series. GMS is a great team. And then you have Hallmark Friesen, which is sort of a independent but not team there. Um, that'd be cool to see them win the championship as well. But I'm, uh, it's going to be exciting. This truck series is a lot of fun to watch. So um, I can't wait for Friday night's race uh, at Homestead Miami Speedway. Something else I want to touch on here, Phil, up here in the last couple of minutes of the show is what we heard today about Matt Tift. Uh, Tift, if you're not real familiar with his history, um, had a brain injury. Brain aneurysm had a brain surgery a couple of years ago. Missed uh, the truck series. His, his truck series season went to the Xfinity series. Seemed like everything was fine, and then he had what was called a seizure uh, right before the Martinsville race. Missed Martinsville. Crafton had to fill in in the 36, and that's been John Hunter Nemechek at Texas Phoenix and Homestead. Uh, today it was announced that Front Row Motorsports and Matt Tift have decided to part ways, mutually part ways for 2020. Seems like everything is 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 fine there as far as their relationship is concerned. But Matt, I think, didn't want any pressure to come back and feel like he owed a team anything. And I think Front Row Motorsports felt that way too. Plus, they can work out their plans, <clears throat> get, a, get a driver in here who can run the full schedule if needed, and then kind of reevaluate things with Matt Tift in 2021 if everything's okay. Um, but So they've agreed to depart ways, and that opens up a ride there at, at Front Row Motorsports. Really, two rides now at Front Row Motorsports open as David Reagan will run his final race at Homestead Miami Speedway on Sunday at, before he retires, and now Matt Tift uh, parting ways. It looks like to me, uh, Philip, that John Hunter Nemechek is going to be kind of make the, the the natural step into that 36 car. They haven't announced it, but you can envision that's going to be the case. Um, but what are your thoughts on Tift and Front Row Motorsports going forward in this 36 car? Yeah, I mean, it's a shame to, I mean, for Matt Tift, he's had, the brain injuries and he had to be set down. I, I don't know if it was with Gibbs or with RCR. I think he was with Gibbs and then moved over the RCR and then last year or two years, yeah, last year and then moved over to Cup this year with his money. Um, and then he had to get set down again with uh, with health issues. So hopefully he will be okay. Uh, hopefully he'll be able to recover and maybe in time, you'll be able to come back. Uh, for Front Row Motorsports, they're basically the one destination that's left uh, for a cup ride in uh, 20. I mean, there is a, a, the go fast uh, opportunity with the SHR, but it, I think Coley LaJoy and his beard are going to come back. Uh, if uh, it, I think for Cole Custer, if depending on what happens with Daniel Suarez. Uh, Daniel Suarez is in play, I think, probably at front row. I think there, I read on read on social media today that, uh, you know, RPM might be a thing. But, uh, I mean, John Hunter Nemechek probably is going to be a rookie uh, in the Cup Series next year. Whether they keep three charters or go down to two, that's a whole other thing. And uh, But in terms of, of front row, hopefully 
they, they'll be able to figure out some things. I don't know what's going on with Michael McDowell, uh, but I think um, youth movement is probably in play. They did it a few years ago with uh, Landon Castle and uh, Chris Busher, and I think the performance showed that they were just as good or better than what they had this year. So I think that might be the move, uh, whether they stay with two or three teams. But um, hopefully uh, Matt Tiff will be able to be okay and he'll be able to win, which is more important than racing, no matter what what things we'll talk about. For sure. And that's the number one thing. And kudos to Front Row Motorsports for allowing that to, to happen and, and kind of part and act, you know, with the way they did because um, it, it's certainly – I'm sure a scary situation for Tift and something he didn't want to do, but um, you look at it and you say, hey, that's, you know, his health is first and, and a great job by them. And, and it's going to be interesting. John Harris, uh, I think he's done a very good job in a, two races he's been there. I don't think it's fair to judge somebody on three races, though. Um, so it doesn't sound like he's going to have anything else, and I think he really wants this 36 to make a big play at it. I think that's why they kind of announced made today's announcement happen. Um so it's going to be very interesting to see. Again, Front Row's got the 38 open as well. There's been also talk of going to go down to two teams and, and, and sell their third charter. We'll see about that. The 41's still out there. They haven't officially announced what they're going to do with Suarez. I do think a backup plan for Suarez is Front Row Motorsports. If he doesn't get the 41, we'll see if that ro- works as well. Um, but it's going to be a very, very uh, fun time here as the offseason goes on. I want to thank everybody for listening and talking in circles tonight. Uh, we'll talk to you after Homestead Miami Speedway. We'll talk about the championships, who's our champions, in each of the three series in NASCAR right here next week on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.